Hear the word of God from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 991 in the Pew Bible. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas. What right do we have to be merry? Out upon Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. A time for balancing your books. If I could work my will, every idiot that goes about saying Merry Christmas should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly in his heart. Now, I hope you guessed. Those are not the words of this preacher. (laughs) Rather, they are the words of Ebenezer Scrooge in Charles Dickens' The Christmas Carol, a fictional tale that we watch acted out or we read or we watch on TV just about every December. It's a fine story of morality, and truly, if Dickens intended it or not, I don't know, but he gives a pretty compelling explanation of the meaning and the effect of Christianity. Presently, we have six small groups studying the redemption of Scrooge during this Advent season. This Advent season is a four-week journey of reflection where we walk together and await the birth of the Christ child once again. So welcome to Advent and welcome to this sermon series, This is Love. As many of us are reacquainting ourselves with the characters from the, uh, on the redemption of Scrooge, we are remembering Jacob Marley, you know, Scrooge's long-dead business partner. And we're also falling in love again with Tiny Tim and Bob Cratchit and even old Scrooge himself. And as we do, we recognize that this story makes a solid biblical point about the power of love. When I first learned of Ebenezer Scrooge, when I first saw the movie years ago, I didn't really like it. I didn't like Scrooge at all, but now I realize, as many of us realize, that this story is speaking about love that is expressed in giving oneself away, a love that can and does have the power to change and redeem and to save. 
So looking at our text today that Gray read for us, I really can't think of a better text that expresses the heart of Christianity and what it's all about. In a nutshell, Christianity is about the power of love to change and redeem and save. And you know what? That kind of love, it changes people, men and women, just like you and me. And it has the power to change communities and society. The centrality of love is the theme throughout this letter of 1 John. But its most significant phrase is that short little phrase, God is love. With impressive conciseness, John tells us what God is and what God is not. Beloved, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and comes from God. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. So think about it. The writer could have spoken of God as a mighty royal king or a strict law-abiding judge or a powerful prosecutor or one of many other descriptions. But instead, John chose to speak about God in the simple and profound way of love. Agape, love. In Greek, there are four words for love. We in English have one. And so it gets messy for us sometimes. But in Greek, agape is a self-sacrificing love, a selfless love. And that is the heart of the truth about God. It is an unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of the circumstances. And that love is true for you, for you, for me. But how do we know love? According to John, all we have to do is look. Look at how God chose to reveal God's very self to us by sending his only son, Jesus, to walk among us and ultimately to show us a way. This short letter of 1 John is found right towards the end of the New Testament, and it appears to have been written at the beginning of the 2nd century, when the fledgling early church was in a bit of turmoil. First, the Roman authorities were starting to persecute Christians. And secondly, the Christians were fighting among themselves. We've been doing that for a long time. There were disagreements over morality and doctrine, those early creeds and codes and guidelines for this new practice. And in the midst of those difficult days, this letter shares the astonishing and beyond belief idea that God is love. And when human beings love, God lives in them and they live in God. Nearly 2,000 years later, that's still a pretty radical and unusual way to talk about God. So why is it so hard for us to believe that God is love? Because I do think some of us have a hard time embracing that concept. We want to think of him more as a punisher or some other image. Perhaps we don't trust that God could love us. Because sometimes we feel pretty unlovable. 
Or perhaps we don't trust that God could love you, someone that I might not agree with. Or perhaps we don't trust that God could love so completely, all the while expecting nothing in return. We don't know what to do with a God who chooses to love so freely. It's hard to accept that we are not in control of this wild and extravagant and free, unconditional love that God offers to humanity. The truth is, it's not about us. It's about God who first loved us. And if we finally do trust that God is love, then the next question is, why is it so hard for us to live it out? To live in love. To live offering love to others. I mean, it's usually, not always, but it's usually easy to love those whom we care deeply about. But what about those mean-spirited, less-than-adorable so-and-sos we have to deal with? It's hard to love them, extend love to them without exception. And it's hard to let go of that sweet feeling of competition that we have over others or comparing us to them, trying to keep up with the Joneses or better yet, keep up with the neighbors who look different, speak different and worship differently than we do. It's hard. I get it. I understand. But this season of Advent, I hope that we will look again at the way God has acted in love, sending Jesus Christ to overcome the destructive and divisive power of sin in this world. We don't have to guess what God is like. We simply have to look at what God has done in Christ. We cannot see God, John tells us, but we can see what God has done through his son whose birth we are about to celebrate, whose life we always seek to follow. In truth, we cannot claim to love God if we refuse to love the brother or sister that is right in front of us. Ooh, that's hard, but it's true. Love and hate cannot and do not mix, and we are lying to ourselves if we say differently. If we say we can love this And hate that at the same time. Because here John points to those two parallel commandments. To love God. And love neighbor. Love. It is the universal hunger of the human heart. And love expressed in giving oneself away. Has the power to change us. So. Sally. You might be asking yourself, can you give us some examples of love that is expressed in self-giving that have the power to change and redeem and save? I was hoping you would ask that. (laughs) Yes, because that is the very question that I have been asking this week. And so to answer that question, I wrote to 10 different friends of mine on Facebook. None of these people know each other that I know of. One's a missionary in Argentina. One is a woman I met in Puerto Rico following Hurricane Maria. Some are young adults. Some are less than young, a little older than young adults. And the question to them and the way I worded it was, I think we can all agree that we need more love in this world. 
The news is full of heartbreak and pain. And yet John writes with absolute conviction that God is love. So can you share with me any evidences of love that you have experienced or heard about in recent days? And so over the next few minutes, I'm going to share with you some of the stories that they shared with me. And with each one, I hope you will pause and reflect about the powerful nature of sacrificial love and how it has the possibility of changing a life. What is love and how have you seen it displayed? Love is having your friends come to your house and surround you like a comforting blanket after you have experienced a tremendous loss. Love is going to a doctor's appointment with a scared human being, child of God, holding their hand and taking notes because in those moments, in that scary place, they are not catching all the news. Love is going to see the Christmas lights with a member of your family, even though you would much rather be back at home watching the football game. Love is watching your spouse kindly and patiently give his mother, who has Alzheimer's disease, the same honest, kind answer to the question that she asked three minutes ago and ten minutes ago, an hour ago, yesterday and the day before. Yes, evidences of love are everywhere. And when you see love, you see God. And when you see God, there is love. Now, I'm not talking about the sappy, overly sentimentalized kind of love, but agape, sacrificial, giving of oneself kind of love. That kind of love, it changes us. It changes relationships. It changes a community. The stories from my friends, they continued. In fact, I got so many that one girlfriend that I've known from college said, why don't we write a devotional, a good news devotional? Who knows if that's coming? But let the stories continue. I learned about a woman named Anna Coleman Ladd, who was an American sculptor in Boston. She married a physician, and his work took them to Paris in 1917. In Paris, she opened up a studio with the help of the Red Cross, and she began to make face masks for disfigured soldiers because World War I left an estimated 20,000 Vietnam vets with facial injuries. The soldiers could be saved, their lives could be saved, but their faces were not the same. Plastic surgery wasn't what it is today, and so they were left with horribly misshapen faces, and that made it hard for them to return to any kind of normalcy in their life. Anna Ladd made these special masks that helped the wounded World War I soldiers get their lives back. She spent a month sculpting each mask. She shared agape love, sacrificial love, self-giving love, expressed and kindness and generosity. It was a love that changed people's lives. Or what about Isabella Pieri? Her mother died of a very rare disease when she was only nine years old. And her father did a good job of keeping the family together, but 
he always had problems with her hair. In fact, at the beginning, he finally just cut it off. It it sort of resembled a crew cut. But she was a nine-year-old girl, and she didn't like that one bit. So she let her hair grow out, and then she would always put it in a ponytail. And one day, she noticed that her school bus driver was braiding the hair of another girl. And she got up some courage, and she asked Ms. Dean, Tracy Dean, to help her with her hair. And now Miss Dean braids her hair every day before she gets off the bus. Isabella's teachers have noticed this incredibly lively sense of that she is revived she, as she walks into the classroom because she's proud of her hairstyle. Her self-confidence has gone way up. I'm glad she had the courage to ask for help. And I'm really glad Miss Dean was willing to say yes. Simple acts of kindness, yes. Love in action, that's agape love. Lives are changed as we share ourselves. And just this week, I learned of a church in the Netherlands who is holding an around-the-clock worship service that has already been in progress for over 800 hours. So no complaining if we run late, ever. (laughs) Why are they doing this? They are doing it simply to shield a family from deportation. Under Dutch law, police officers cannot enter a house of worship during a worship service. So since October... Hundreds of pastors and many, many worship attenders have gathered in that sanctuary to keep this service going around the clock in support of an Armenian family whose asylum claim was denied. Love in action, agape love, generous giving of oneself, lives are being changed. Friends, there is a huge need for more love in this world and more evidence of it in our lives. I've been incredibly humbled and grateful to receive these stories this week on so many levels. And I thank God for that. And I also think that God is calling me, calling all of us during this season of Advent to go deeper and to love unconditionally despite the actions of others. Advent is a time for us to name what we are longing for and to give evidence of it with our lives. I'm here tonight to warn you that you have a chance and a hope, Marley's ghost said to Scrooge. Scrooge is visited by three spirits that show him his past his pitiful and mean present, and a future after he's gone. And he awakens a changed man, converted, redeemed, saved. It's Christmas morning, and he begins showing kindness like he never has before. He sends the biggest turkey to Bob Cratchit's house, and he even tips the boy who helps get it there. He begins to give Christmas greetings in a giddy fashion to the shopkeepers and neighbors. They don't know what's happened. He forgives a man. And he asks for forgiveness 
from a man whom he has wronged. Scrooge goes to church, he pats children on the head, and he finds great pleasure in wishing them a happy Christmas. And then he goes to the office of Bob Cratchit, and he sees that he's working on Christmas morning. And he sends him home, and he immediately gives him a raise, and he accepts the invitation to go to his house for Christmas dinner. The last page of A Christmas Carol. Scrooge was a better, was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to tiny Tim, he was like a second father. He became a good friend and he was a good man. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. Dickens concludes, may that be said of us as well. And in the words of tiny Tim, God bless us, every one. Beloved, beloved, let us love one another because love, it's from God. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Let us pray. We thank you, O oh God, for this moment for this moment in the life of our church, for the faithfulness of those who preceded us and for the bright and hopeful future before us. We thank you for all the ways the angel's song of peace and goodwill is conveyed every day of the year. But most of all, we thank you for the love, for its simplicity and its power and its hope. Amen. Amen. In response to the word, let us continue our worship by receiving our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts. <laughs>